This is a fake ad for a flat tire. Hey, do you ever feel like you're on a journey going nowhere? Why not complete the look with a flat tire? Flat tires are capitalism's worst nightmare. They're the opposite of worker productivity. They're just standing there, doing nothing, being picturesque, like me. Warning, flat tires may induce long-lasting friendships with truckers and other kind strangers who will show you how to pump it up, pump it up, pump it up, ah! Little did I know, as you stand on the soft spot of the M50's hard shoulder, that you have no intention of driving into the sunset. Your sun set a long time ago, but the tire remains flat for eternity. Everything is impermanent, except the flat tire. Take comfort in the stagnant and buy a flat tire now. Hello, I'm Frankie, and today you're tuned into the Meditations for the Anxious Mind podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by human rights activist Dean Scurry. Dean was involved with Occupy Dame Street and Apollo House, and now he does youth work out in Ballymun. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider subscribing to the Patreon. There'll be a link for it in the bio on Spotify and all my other social media accounts. Meditations for the Anxious Mind on Instagram and Meditations for the Anxious on TikTok. We don't have any brands who sponsor the podcast, which means I can just get in whoever I want. Next week, I'm going to get a pigeon. And then the week after that, I'm going to get the pigeon's cousin which is actually michael d higgins and so if you want to subscribe i can keep getting like pigeons thanks and that's the end we usually just put music at the start of it the babblings and ramblings of frankie's brain (laughs) my god yeah and that's the edited version i don't know if that's zen or bleeding Asylum. Oh yeah, well that's that's the peak. That's the peak of this podcast. It's only going to get more <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> but uh, Dan, thanks so much for coming on. No problem. Um, I remember. I think the first time we came across you was actually I knew you were doing Apollo House and before that Occupy. Um, but I knew you from Working Class Records. Um, and I knew you from uh, I, I remember when I was like 15 or 16 hearing that song uh, Keep It Real or oh, Leave yeah. the Dialect that was my introduction into Irish hip hop what age are you now? Uh, I'm 26 so that's 10 years ago uh, where'd you grow up? when? where? oh I thought you said oh done Shockland where's that? it's in mid ah yeah so just just trying to place the uh the vibe, the accent and all that. Yeah, 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 Don Chocolin, yeah. It's nice though. I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm sitting here because I like your voice. And I think, oh, thank you. Like, <laughs> there's people listening to this and they listen to it because of your voice. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they think, uh, you know, I'm just going to have my day and then there's a, I'll spend an hour or two with Frankie once a week and it'll be nice. Yeah, know? yeah. And I think that that's what I was trying to do with the hip hop stuff especially was just introduce that voice, you know, whatever it was, the North Dublin vernacular hip hop voice to people's ears and just go to something else that you could possibly listen to and you might get some value from it and it might help you kind of broaden your horizons a bit yeah and and funnily enough uh, I would have never thought this but uh, you know some people when I'm say if I'm walking through town and I'm on the phone or I'm talking to someone 
people will mostly come up to me and say, I, I recognize that voice. They won't say they recognize my face. I must have a really generic face or something. No, you have a recognizable face as yeah. well. Yeah. But they would be, it's more your voice that they tune into. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's the visuals. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that the humor as well, but I think it's the voice force. The humor, your humor is really interesting. Uh, it's it's kind of friendly and accessible, obscure, uh, but it helps look. I think you bring it just a different lens or different perspective to everything you talk about. You know what I mean? Like I was listening to you were on with John Connors last week, and you were talking about the ad at the end. It was like chicken nuggets, and it was <laughs> it was really good. It was funny. Like I found nice. myself listening to the whole thing and kind of getting engrossed in that just that little segment. You know. I think there's a lot of people out there that find value in that. And uh, what I'm going to suggest to them is that they some way support you to do that because you are one of those unique voices. Now, oh, I'm not blowing you. smoke up your hole, but you are. No, Keith, please do. <laughs> you, you are a unique voice. I am a unique voice. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's some of us that just get out there and, and are creative and do things. Mm. And you're one of those people. And oh, you're, starting, you're, you're starting to kind of find yourself in it and get a feel for it and that's I'm going to go back to the hip hop that's all we were trying to do in the hip hop so 20 what years are now it's probably 20 years ago yeah uh, I met a couple of young rappers from Ballymun and they were all rapping in American accents mm. about George Bush and an angry <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean yeah. teenage boys and I kind of worked with them and helped them find their own voice uh, and I introduced them to different concepts like they all wanted fame was the kind of thing they wanted so we kind of stripped that back because mm. I'm sure when you were starting off this there was something that you wanted to get from it and it was probably you know a little bit of acceptance a little bit of love or whatever yeah. and that's kind of what these lads were in working class records were looking for as well but they thought it was called fame and I said well look we can grab somebody we can set them on fire in the middle of Ballymone and we can film it and we'll all be famous or is, there, is it actually something else that you're looking for mm. you you know what I mean? You 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 were born. You had a load of experiences. You're 14, 15, 16 years of age. You're going through puberty, and you want to just say something to the world. And what you the way you want to do it is through hip hop. The way a lot of people want to do it now is through podcasts, which mm. is, is is really interesting. Yeah, and I think no matter what medium you go for it through, you're probably looking. You know, people are probably looking for the same four or five things. You know, like you said, acceptance, love, validation. Um, a few euro in attention. that pocket yeah money yeah so like subscribe poverty, to poverty my Patreon <laughs> poverty is a motivator and yeah. one of the exits from poverty for someone um, well I'm not saying you're, you're, you're poor but from, mm. from somebody like you is something like a Patreon yeah. you know what I mean that people would get value from paying you two, three, four, five euro a month if five or six hundred people of your 70,000 Instagram followers put a fiver in your account Frankie, you are sorted. You yeah. have a career. You can do this. You can relax and you can get more and more creative and you can go down the lines of what like Blind Boy is doing mm. where you can do a, a road show and da 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 Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. And, 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 and I'm not, you know, not sponsored at the moment as well. So it does, it does definitely go a long way. You know, we were kind of talking about it before and I think uh, to bring it back to what we were talking about with like Irish hip hop, the first 
the first time it actually wasn't that song it was uh, Lunatic Stacy's Story yeah. it was the first thing I ever heard and I've never heard anybody whether it was you know you might have heard one or two songs like that in American accents you know uh, across the pond but uh, that was the first time I've ever heard an Irish person talk about something that's real and we know? and we would have listened to other Irish people talking about stuff like that in their own, own accent like Scary Era mm. and a rapper called Rira. Rira. they yeah. would have done like Doll Q was like their big thing and they actually went on to uh, famously support U2 and Crow Park now okay. it's kind of fell apart after that but they got to a certain level like you know what I mean and I was interested in that because um, whether or not we understand it our accent is exotic outside of our postcode mm. you know what I mean so a North Dublin accent although in North Dublin it's not unique if you take that to the UK if you take that to America if you take that to Australia it's exotic and we yeah. pay for the exotic you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why we're into American hip hop because it's exotic. It's something different. It's the Bronx. It's you know, it's East Coast. It's West Coast or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I kind of sussed that out early, and I kind of encourage these lads not to rap in American accents, which is like the default mode for most hip hop guys I've ever come across. The default um, feel of everything they do, including graffiti, breakdance, da 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 da, is American culture for obvious reasons mm. but what if it wasn't but what if it was local but what if it was um, how he is and all rights and how's your L one and all that you know what I mean and our, one of the things that prevented that was you know air colonisation uh, we have like this sense of insecurity or inferiority complex or whatever you know yeah um, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that as well because uh, in general like whenever I've had um whenever I've had people like you know talk about Irish hip hop or Irish music in general other than you know vocal and singing you know um, people have an aversion towards hearing a Dublin accent or any Irish accent for that matter really and where is that where I want to know what's where the it's basis from. of that yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think is like shame or guilt yeah. or there's definitely a Catholic thing that we have uh, so we're Catholic built into that dogma is a thing called shame and guilt. Mm. Uh, now, you will go and do something like have a night out with the lads and then by default, you will feel shame and guilt after. That doesn't happen in other cultures. Yeah. Just so we all know, Ireland, that guilt <laughs> and shame isn't the default for all human beings. For the rest of the world, they're all right. They're mm. grand. They'll go out, they'll get lit, they'll have a good bleeding night and then they'll just crack on. There won't be bags of guilt and shame attached to it. And we pick that up from the guys who wanted to push their agenda onto us. Let's do, you, do you think, because obviously, like, any behaviour like that, we're getting something from it, there's some purpose behind it, otherwise we wouldn't do it. Do you think there's some sort of purpose for that? For which? For that, you know, like you said, that kind of toxic shame that we have. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, so what it is in the Catholic culture is that they want us to believe in their dogma, their, their ways, their rituals. And one of the ways that we are kind of submissive to that uh, or subservient to that is that they're the master and we're the servant. You know what I mean? Mm. The priests, like the priests in this country, especially in like in my community, in the working class community in Ballymun in the 80s, the police were more fierce than the guards. If we went and done something, like uh, we lived in poverty in Ballymun, uh, the whole community, so it was a default mode, just poverty. And we went out and robbed stuff and we bought robbed stuff. And I remember anybody got caught, they called the priest to your house to do a mass in the 80s in, in, in Ballymun. In your sitting room, the priest would come in and do a mass. 
what power do they have there? Mm. You know what I mean? And they want to keep that power. They want to keep the dynamic. They want to keep guilt and shame going along. So in, in everything they do, and it's even gone as far as it's now in our politics. Have you ever see like at the high level when they're kind of giving out to each other in the doll, there's this kind of uh, control about shame and poo poo and you done this and Sinn Féin done that and you's done this and we're all kind of hold, trying to hold each other to some kind of moral uh, account or something like that. Mm. That doesn't happen everywhere else. Honestly, if you if you look at um, politics in, in other areas, you just look at society in other parts of the world, you know what I mean? In, in, uh, in parts that weren't penetrated by uh, the Catholic dogma, uh, they're just a bit more freer about stuff like that. And, and it's, it's hard for me to imagine what that's even like, because when you're saying like that it's just such an intrinsic part of, I think, who we all are in this country, that it's, well, I can't speak for the country, but for me anyway, uh, that it's hard to imagine like what it would be like to not have that and I wonder is it in some way is is that shame as bad as it is is there I wonder is there some sort of link to creativity to like expelling all that energy or whatever whatever it is that's trapped inside you yeah I think absolutely and it's kind of linked to our alcoholism to yeah. our self-medicating like newsflash Ireland we self-medicate whether or not we our, our uh, leaders want to acknowledge that publicly like it was only like 10 years ago when they said we don't have a drug problem in this country mm. if we don't want to acknowledge that we, we self-medicate there's something sick in that you know what I mean and we self-medicate for loads of different reasons for abuses from the state abuses from uh, the Catholic organisations abuses from colonisation and so on uh, this thing we used to call the famine but now we realise it was probably more aligned to a genocide you know what I mean how could we have a famine when we had loads of products that we were shipping out mm. through one of the most busiest ports in Europe yeah and they called it the Garden of Ireland it was you know Britain was the Garden of Ireland it was all being exported so I'm linking a load of things together here you know hip hop culture and Catholic shame mm -hmm. and da 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 uh, but that's that's what I find interesting about the world is that we have all these links and sometimes we don't talk about them. Mm. Maybe because we don't see the links or maybe because we want to avoid the conversation. And I think it's time now we have an adult conversation um, about a range of things, about a range of things, about direct provision, about homelessness, about um, drugs being a health issue and not a criminal issue, mm. about middle class people doing more drugs than working class people about priests and barristers and solicitors and guards doing drugs all these types of stuff we don't want to talk about them and my kind of um, my kind of way of explaining it is we've had a hundred years of this state yeah and I feel like we've grown one year for every ten years like a dog mm. so we're like a ten year old kid mooching around and we don't have the words to say all the things that we want to say but eventually we're going to mature and we're going to be able to have these conversations and free flowing open kind of form long form podcasts like this are one of the ways that that's going to happen yeah and i think it's it's the best way to get your point across as well because a lot of, a lot of the time i don't even know what the fuck i'm saying unless you you have have you sussed that already no, absolutely <laughs> and it's not just you yeah it's not just you um it's it's one of the reasons why we're all dabbling into the podcast world is because the narrative was kind of tweaked and controlled by various different players, RTEs, Dennis O'Brien's, blah, 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 down a very kind of narrow o uh, Overton window. 
and it's only through the kind of uh, liberation of broadband internet that we can start to explore beyond that beyond those conversations mm. um so we're all just tippy toeing in but let's jump in let's yeah. get let's get knee deep in it. and we are like it, it kind of blew my mind that jordan peterson sold the biggest gig he sold out was in ireland was in dublin was in the tree arena because people just want to listen to that stuff and everybody else is kind of a step down from from him you know what i mean yourself blind boy talking bollocks all these types of podcasts but there's an appetite there we want to have the conversations we want our 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 concepts our minds our perspectives to be bent and twisted and 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 we just want to get a whole kind of fresh ref set of reference points for who we are in this country um there was a tv program on rt the other day and it was it was called the way we used to be mm. and it was all this kind of anecdotal stuff about sexuality in ireland like you could up until 1971 you could get married at the age of 12 up until 1983 i think it was condoms were illegal up until 1980 or 1991 uh, homosexuality was was illegal uh, you know different I mean? world completely. different different world that was only 30 years ago 20 years ago you know what i mean so i'm 48 this year so when i was 13 4 12 13 14 um i was off school for a day to go and see santi so i was probably about 10 then mm. 10 11 going to santi in uh switzers in grafton street there before it was brown thomas and uh so i missed a day in school went back a couple of days later and the guards were there with the priest saying you're going to an industrial school that was only 35 years ago for missing one day in school you're going down to Clonmel or Letterfrack or whatever one of these places for a couple of years because you missed one day in school and you did school. go did you no my mum went down and she hit the principal a, a loaf in the middle of the school <laughs> Yeah. the police pr- picked out four of us and it was like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday so why was Monday mm. and I went and told my mum my mum went that's not going to happen because yeah. in my dad's family his two brothers got exactly the same thing done uh, so we, we kind of learned that lesson was that a way of getting rid of like certain students like would you have been a messer in school were they trying to no, get rid of it was of you? a way it was a way so we had these things uh, called industrial skills right so that's there's two words in that the first word is industry yeah it was an industry so we we serviced an industry it was a service industry the men done stuff like made suits and cobbled shoes and the women done stuff like laundry we know this that this happened who were they making suits for and shoes mm. for and doing the laundry for it wasn't themselves you know what i mean so it was the state and the church so ministers and bishops and da 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 da, da we're gonna launder their clothes we're gonna make their suits we're gonna do this so this yeah. was an industry if this was America, we'd call it the prison industrial complex. But mm. it's Ireland, and we just sweep it all underneath the carpet, and we wonder oh, why like we can't. Show. It's like a sweatshop. We wonder why we can't communicate with each other. Yeah. So that's why I set up a hip hop label in Ballymun and encouraged lads to use their own voice and introduce them to their own voice. Broke down the myth that they they're seeking fame. Introduce them to people like Damien Dempsey, who got them to think about who they are as a human, as a soul, as a spirit. You know. Yeah. And we went on the road with it. Like, we gigged all, all over the place. New York, South Africa. With Nas. We, we played with Nas here in Dublin. We played with Kanye West here, Snoop Dogg, The Game, everybody. 
Uh, probably one that I'm most proud of is like uh, Grandmaster Flash, Melly Mel, oh, the Sugar I Hill didn't guy. Know that. Yeah. Because they they were the guys that got me into hip hop. I used to go down to a Collins Street, uh, say when I was ten. So it was 1982, 1983, and boy, little tapes on a Bridge from uh, one of the guys that don't like CDs, and some of it was like you know. Uh, such and such a band you know Phil Linne live at this whatever you know and then there was hip hop he didn't know what hip hop was so he took these tapes home and on one of the tapes it was like the Sugar Hill Gang talking about White Lions yeah and I didn't know what White Lions uh-huh. was and then I realised well uh, White Lions it sounds like what they're doing in my community with like heroin so I related to it straight away then I kind of tuned into other heads like Public Enemy Chuck D all this kind of socially conscious um, black American oppressed music which kind of came from jazz and blues and da 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 um, so, so just, you could relate to kind of what was going on in your community with what they I were I just opened the door about. and I just looked out and I said that feels exactly what's going on in this community mm. we're self-medicating and we're in poverty and we're all being locked up uh, I was talking to a guard today and I, I I'm looking at setting up a, uh, an interesting program it's called a prisoner alumni because I realised that in the 50 years that Ballymun has been a community, uh, the residents have done 2,000 years in prison. And so I want to capitalise on that. I want to mind the brains of those people who went to prison and create a network like happens in Trinity or UCD, an alumni, mm-hmm. so they can be a resource and a support for each other. And they can set up different interactions and networks and businesses and da-da-da-da-da. Mm. You know it's what I mean? Fu- it's funny you mention that. We were talking to uh, Lynn Ruan uh, a few weeks ago. She was talking about spent convictions. Mm. And, you know, so you could go in for a robbery and you're in for a few years or whatever, three years, and you come out, but you're never really done your conviction because you're not going to get a job. It'll be, you know, a black mark on your CV, um, you know. So I think that's that's a really important thing as so, well. So that's coming from that end, which is the policy end and the legislation end. I want to come from the other end and celebrate these people yeah and that let them set up their own businesses and let them not have their hand held out to anybody let them uh, pull themselves up and we'll support them as much as we can because if we don't we're locking them up and they're going into a system that treats them forever as a criminal um, and there's n- it's not a fluke that somewhere like Ballymun uh, people have done 2,000 years in prison we're no different from anybody else other than we can't afford privacy and security so, for example, if you take uh, D4, people can afford high walls, privacy and security, okay? And they can get up to whatever they want, Wh- whatever it is, uh, coercion, drug use, uh, robberies. Um, but we can't afford that. In working class communities, we have to wear who we are on our sleeves because we don't have high walls. We don't have privacy. We don't have security. Mm. So that to me is a benefit that's an asset we have to wear who we are on our sleeves and I think that's a, re- that's a really interesting dynamic rather than being ashamed of that or having guilt of that so it goes back to the guilt and shame thing so being having been in prison shouldn't be a shameful thing because it's not in other cultures that aren't Catholic Jay-Z we celebrate Kanye we celebrate we celebrate hustler culture especially in hip hop mm. these guys are Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinker, sold crack. We want to put these people in the movies, in Hollywood. But in, in, in our country, with our 
repression, with our guilt and shame and with our class system, which we never talk about, we want to perpetually put those people into a box and say, no, you will never aspire to anything. Actually, we're going to set up the legislation to make sure that that's not the fact. And it's uh, and the fight against that is only going to come from one or two people like Lynn in your community. It's never going to come from us. We're never going to champion you. Mm. So we have to champion ourselves and stop putting a hand out mm. and stop, why, why stop falling think, into the victim mentality. Yeah, and why do you think class is never talked about? Um, it's, it's the same reason that existentialism is never talked about. Because we're... Uh, it, it serves a purpose never talking let's say existentialism never talking about death serves a purpose it means what that we never have to um, resolve the fact that we're all going to die so never talking about class serves a purpose um, it means that we never have to resolve the fact that there's two different ways to exist in this country there is the protected security high walls loads of money our family got wealth um, through various different means and then there's kind of poor people you know so the wealthy people the wealthy establishment in this country didn't get there by fluke they stood on the shoulders of somebody who was doing something and for the last 800 years what have we been doing in this country we've been basically a British colony mm. so we're basically British all the money all the wealth all the laws all the education is basically a British system so we're standing on those shoulders. If you're in a 700, if you're in a, that's probably a bit cheap, if you're in a 4 million euro house in Fox Rock or Holt, okay, just sit back and think about whose shoulders are you standing on there? Do you know what I mean? Mm. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. We have vast estates of land in this country that are basically behind gates that we, the average person, never get to see because they're still locked up in that system. There's huge estates all over this place. There's lakes and rivers and valleys that you will never get to see, that Irish people will never get to see mm. because they're locked. As soon as you go out past the M50, that's the way the rest of the country is. There's kind of farms and then there's these other estates. Mm. Who owns all this Don't land? Don't tell anyone from Cork that they fucking killed. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Who owns all this land and where did they originally get it from? Yeah. Because if, if, if our state only started 100 years ago, that all didn't happen in the last hundred years. So we were basically then before that we were we were Britain. Mm. We were like their second biggest port, where apparently the city where the famine happens is their second largest port. You know. Well, well, there'd be like the Anglo-Irish families as well, and you know a lot of that would have come from like you know people who chose to become Protestant once once British rule was here. But like, uh, I wanted to ask you as well because like, you you actually helped me out a lot. But uh, when I did a video about Ballymun, I called it, uh, I think it was, we were talking about how, like, Ballymun and, like, the, the social problems in Ballymun were kind of government construction. Mm. Um, that might seem like, is that a controversial thing to say? Or do you think that's fair? It depends on who you are and where, what, what, where you're standing in the conversation. You know what I mean? So uh, the kind of history of it is that we have the tenements in Dublin in the... 40s and 50s which started to collapse 40s, 50s and 60s which started to collapse those tenements used to be owned by Protestant landlords and then we got our, uh, our country we got independence and a lot of those guys moved to the south side of the city or back to London and all of those properties say around Henrietta Street 
which is like famously where the the um i think they have a house there that's on exhibition you can go in and go this is the way dublin used to be like a tenement exhibition or something like that uh you would have a landlord who had like 10 families living in it so a lot of those started to fall down and then they built ballymoon uh, which is like this nirvana or you know utopia or whatever um so that was like the end of the 60s and then about 10 years into it you see uh, start, start seeing all these reports on rte saying it's starting to fail um so it's that point that i'm really interested in how did it how did it fail why did it fail was it who was who was um who was monitoring it uh, whose responsibility was it who was on whose watch did it fail what decisions were made by whom and where and when uh, and why for it to fail and one of the decisions that i'm really interested in is a thing where dublin city council offered people it was about 1985 offered people in ballymun uh five thousand pounds to surrender their property so if they were living in a house or a flat they could surrender that to dublin city council it was called a surrender grant and you could go out to places like baldoyle Holt, port marnock and buy a new house and the price of a house was about 10 grand so you're basically giving you half the price of a house and anyone with a brain done that and that's like it's like a brain drain essentially Anyone who was employed, you mean, like, would, would be able to... Like, anyone who's working there as a teacher yeah. or in the ESB or something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they seen it, they could go, eh, this is a really good opportunity to basically give me half the price of a house to move out to the coast. Let's let's jump on it. So what happened was, the reason they done that was because they wanted to, to create empty properties, or voids, they would call them. So why did they want to create empty properties because the following year they started to close down places like um, Grange Gorman and Port Port Ran which are like psychiatric hospitals and to use their word they can't those tenants into the voids yeah so you've got an empty property you've got someone in it you give them five grand they move out you close down Port Ran and you put those people in there and you address the psychiatric needs of the of those people in the community that was their policy um, so that's by design I didn't come up with that idea hmm. the residents of Ballymun didn't come up with that idea that was decided in the boardroom at state level so the three things there is like first of all there was you know there, so there wasn't many amenities there when, when it came out and then when Ballymun was kind of created uh, there wasn't like enough facilities and stuff like that and then there was like uh all the people most of the people who were employed were moving out because they could afford to buy the other half of the house mm-hmm. and then and then the mental health issues coming in and so those and, and those people with mental health issues not getting the services that were promised because basically the community was says we're going to treat these people in the community as in use walk with them use sort of out and those people then on mass started to look started to self-medicate and that's a pattern the self-medicating pattern is something that we all see everywhere in Ireland now. We all self-medicate all of the time. And I'll give you an example of that. If you took the most well-resourced connected community in this country, yeah? Let's say Fox Rock. And you turned off all the drugs for a week. Everything. Cigarettes, coffee, wine, cocaine, whatever, 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 gambling, pornography, turn them all, all off for a week and see what happens in those communities. Yeah? If you don't think that we're self-medicating. Just one week, that's all I'm saying. And just do it in your mind and just run it. Let's say you've got 
10,000 people living in that area and for one week you just turn off everything mm. what happens and, this and is the funny. most this is the most well connected resource community yeah so in my mind what happens is carnage carnage happens mm. because all those people are going to want to get the best support and it's not there it's not available and then they all have to put their hands up and go yes we are also very very um, addicted to whatever it is mm. uh, now the reason that we don't look at those communities like that is because they can afford privacy and security and the reason we look at communities like Ballymoon the reason we do TV show TV programs like Crack in the Community in Ballymoon or we do TV shows like Inside the K in places like Cabaret and Blanchestown is because they cannot uh, hide behind walls because they can't do what happens in estates that are full of well-connected wealthy people they can't bring it to court they can't afford to bring RTE or TV3 to court for defamation of character you know defamation of a whole community that that really really interests me and that's a class thing and that's fascinating mm. and, and like you said as well about the self-medication that definitely makes a lot of sense because like I, I know loads of addicts and most of them when they try to get sober and when they get sober they actually get worse their head get I don't know if you've had experience with that as well knowing mm-hmm. addicts or whatever their head gets worse it gets more manic they actually get worse before they get better you know and so it goes to show that it is self-medication and the drug as much as all the consequences around you you know your life is falling to shit a lot of the time your family don't want to know you all that stuff but there's still something in it that like kind of sets you free even though it's destroying you at the same time yeah absolutely so what it is is uh, where it's emotional regulation yeah if you talk to anybody in NA or AA mm. or gamblers and honest, or whatever, yeah. it's emotional regulation it's the emotions that we're looking you know you know that feeling when you're just about to talk about something and it's coming up through your chest and then mm. you just want to put cocaine onto it or sex I, I, I can course on this podcast yeah. I, I <laughs> say can, chocolate yeah. cocks cocaine coffee <laughs> you know what I mean we just want to yeah. put something on it so yeah, that feeling yeah. coming up through our chest we can push it back down yeah to just to a position in our stomach where we feel like we don't want to get sick all over the place mm. okay and we and, and that's where we are as a whole country yeah whatever it is choose your poison whatever it is you know yeah. what I mean that it, thing it, you're saying there as well like I, I had that all, all my life I had that as a kid from as far back as I remember and it kind of links in what we were talking about with shame like I had this feeling like and and you know coming from like my family really always cared about me as you know good upbringing and stuff like that but I've always had this like empty feeling in my chest and I don't know what it is and I've just always had it I've always carried it with me I'm a twin I went into school kind of felt like everyone already knew each other just felt different you know and um, and like that as well the first time I drank that all melted away and I always felt this pressure to perform you know and to be someone and to be the class clown or whatever but I felt like I could be myself you know I didn't have to change who I am I was just comfortable around people you know so really when you were drinking when I was drinking yeah Yeah, yeah. and then it went it led on to other things the drink wasn't the only thing but like you know it just it started off as that so even at that age you know at 15 really was like that the drink was doing something different to me than it did to other people mm-hmm. you know or so that's how I perceived it I don't know what it did to other people you know but and, I, and we, we'll all find our poison that will 
you know whatever cover up those uh, emotions or help us you know what we think is uh, lose our inhibitions or whatever it is we all have it everybody in this society from uh, the presenter of the flagship rte show all the way to the guy or the girl in the gutter who we're all pissing on we all have that we're all the same we just choose to ignore the fact that we're all the same and we try and separate ourselves and hide ourselves behind walls and labels and ideas like guard priest doctor but we're all the same we mm. all have a feeling inside us um for some people it's guilt shame for other people it's existential stuff that we came from somewhere all of a sudden we're here we're alive we go through this um process where we're dependent on our parents then we go into puberty then our parents or a cat or someone dies and we realize oh fuck we all die mm. and then we try and resolve that for the rest of our lives or probably until our mid 40s where we have like what is technically or what is commonly known as like a a, a meltdown or breakdown or um, midlife crisis or mm. something like that you know what i mean which is where if you go into places like AA and NA, it's full of guys kind of in that, you know what I mean? Mm. From 25 to 45, who've started to go, uh, to, started to address that or started to want to resolve that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we, they're, they're the conversations we're not having in this country. What we do is we write songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> we don't talk about the real shit. Yeah. We're amazing at that or we do poetry. Yeah. Um, would you not think that kind of uh, that that's one way of doing it? Like you know, if if you're able to release all that shit through being creative in a way, is that not kind of just another way to you know? Absolutely, it is. Yeah, and I think we're really good at it, and we pride ourselves on being you know, um, you know, some of the greatest writers. Da 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 da. But we could just also just have the conversation openly and honestly mm. and maturely, like yeah. they have in other parts of the world that aren't riddled with guilt and shame. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure there's a podcast coming out real soon it's um, there's a trauma guy not deep pack show but there's another guy that everyone's talking about and he's talking to Brezzy and they mm. mentioned that you know Ireland is this great cathedral of self-medication but it's also a great cathedral of poets and writers and all that okay and what they're I, I assume what they're trying to say is as a part of the guilt and the shame is the self-medicating and, and, and another way to deal with all that is all this amazing creative what we call creative art mm. but the only re the purpose of the art is that we can um in some way begin to understand what we're doing here and why we're feeling all this pain yeah and i think like you were saying we get into these roles like these character roles like you said guard priest or whatever but uh I could I could be sitting beside someone who we've had completely different life experiences but if we actually started talking about what's beneath all those roles like how do you feel what are you afraid of you know all that stuff we'll be able to relate to anyone you know because Any, anyone absolutely and we found that a great punctuation in the last hundred years was the last two years was COVID because it's a leveler everybody is on exactly the same page everybody in the first two or three weeks had to sit with themselves okay now there were there were some horrible cases where you know fathers for the first time realized that they actually had kids you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. or that you know there was domestic increase in domestic violence but on the whole and mm. uh, there was an opportunity for us all to sit with ourselves for two or three maybe four weeks 
we probably even started to meditate for five or six minutes a day and then we probably ventured out on a Monday morning out to the beach with a few friends and seeing all these other people who were also going through the same thing and we were looking at them and going oh my god um, wow I can I can actually relate to these people beyond their title and their role because he's standing there just in a pair of jocks and she's just in a bikini and we're all running into the sea and we're all screaming uh, for some reason and the reason we're screaming is because there's some kind of liberation in that we're liberated from the role of mother or brother or guard or judge that when we're all standing there in a in our baptismal bathing suits we're all exactly the same mm. vulnerable lost um souls who are just trying to find our way home that's really the purpose of art is to find our way home individually and collectively it's why we do all this type of stuff. It's why we do podcasts. It's why we make movies. We're all trying to resolve something within ourselves. Uh, individually, it's called the hero's journey, but there's a there's a collective societal level to it as well because we don't just exist individually and we don't just exist as a society. There's a, a dance between the both of them. Yeah, and, and there's a lot to be said for... Uh, I don't know if you've ever read Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks a lot about like living in the body rather than the mind and that really seems like what it is you know you're going beyond the mind when you're doing that you're engaging in something physical you know you're feeling the temperature of the water you're, you're, you're getting you're out of your mind yeah which is can you see how that's very close to drugs yeah you're literally getting out, getting of, your out of your mind into your body so when I grew up in the rave era in the late 80s 90s people were one of the things that you would see, the standout things, was groups of men standing in raves massaging each other mm. and getting into their bodies and getting out of their mind and, and liberating themselves from the dogma or the, the, uh, their, their perspective or the perception that they had about themselves in society. Uh, drugs like MDMA or ecstasy, whatever, liberate you from that. It's no fluke that the Liberty Cap mushroom is called Liberty Cap. Mm because it liberates you from that but also so does really good meditation methods or jumping into the sea regularly in the freezing cold and people will say when they jump into the sea actually the colder the better because I come out of my mind and into my body and I'm freed I'm liberated Mm. and I can stand there vulnerable in front of the sun the creator the god head and be fully in acceptance of who I am, where I came from, and where I'm going, mm. and if that's what it did for you. And and did you have what were like not the, just for me? Yeah, absolutely not just for me, yeah. but it also done it for me. But I had that unique opportunity at a very young age to have that liberation. Yeah, yeah, uh, which I'll explain in a minute. You were just about to ask a question. Yeah, oh, oh it's it's actually gone from my head <laughs> completely. Oh, I suppose like. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you because I, I saw you posting on social media about, about like you were bringing out. I don't know if you brought them out or they were just going as well. But a lot of lads would have gone with you, uh, sea swimming, you know. And uh, you must have been the only lads without the dry robes in Port Manic. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, we, but, we couldn't afford them. <laughs> but uh, you know, I was, I was always curious, boy, because there is as well. Like there's, uh, 
oh, to be honest with you, I I saw people posting about it. You know, there's some people I know, and they'd have the coffee in one hand and the sea, and they'd be posting at five in the morning like gratitude. But you know that they're just doing it for the Instagram. And then there's people who do it Body because insecurity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it should. Yeah, it's in, yeah, insecurity. There's, there's an interplay <laughs> between both of those. Yeah, you know what I mean. Who are we shouting out to? Please acknowledge me. Please love me. Please wrap your likes around me. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. That's basically what we're doing. Yeah. I have to privilege a perspective to be free of all that. Mm. Uh, I like I've been swimming every other day for the last twenty odd years. Yeah. And it blows my. It used to blow my mind where more people didn't know about it, and then we got the the unique opportunity of COVID. Like. I was actually thinking during COVID, I could have got Leonardo DiCaprio to make a film about swimming down at the sea on the coast of Ireland and made it really sexy and it wouldn't have had the impact that COVID did. Mm. You know what I mean? We needed that kind of perfect storm. Um, and yes, there are kind of dry robe, uh, you know, a dry robe posse or people who just go down to put the hat on, you know, and whatever it says on it. You know, I am I'm part of an amazing gang of people who now <laughs> go swimming in the <laughs> sea. Yeah. You know, but, and that's, that's all right. That's yeah. They're turning up, and yeah. eventually, if they're open to it, they will get to a point in themselves where they'll start to address and resolve some of those things that makes them walk into the sea with their camera phone, mm. thousand euro camera phone that was <laughs> mined, bleeding by some kid and bleeding the Congo or something. Yeah. Like that. There's so yeah. many contradictions going on, yeah. but they're turning up to the bleeding sea. They're yeah. getting in. They're pushing themselves. They're challenging themselves. They're not sitting in a posh pub in Dublin for snorting lines of coke off the table anymore. Mm. They're getting into the fucking sea. Yeah. So it's like a form of meditation, really. It's a method to get to a pl- to get home. Yeah. And meditation is a method. Um, yoga is a method. Doing DMT is a method. Mm. Having open conversations is a method. They're always. Sometimes we get hung up on going. This is my one, and this is the only way. No, yeah. the, the the way is different for everybody. If 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 we see home as the mountain top, there's many ways to the top of the mountain. Yeah. You know what I mean? And on the way up, you're going to meet amazing people who are both going up and coming down. And if you meet them, just be open to meeting them. And don't kind of, don't try and judge them or change them or da 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 da. Just, just meet them where they're at and show mm. them who you are. And uh, a very easy way of doing that is, for example, sea swimming, because everyone's basically naked jumping into the cold or sea. Yeah. You can't but be yourself. If you're trying to be anybody else, you will reveal that to yourself quicker than you will reveal it to anybody else. If you're going in and your hair's all done and your face is full of makeup <laughs> and your head's a toe and tan and you've got your phone and your latte and your hat on, you're not being yourself, bro. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... Uh, and, and, like, I... I'd meditate most most mornings now and like you know now I haven't got to the sea yet but eventually maybe I will but uh, I find like even doing that for like say 20 minutes a day it changes how I react to people throughout the day I'm a bit calmer with more of a kind of pause button instead of just you know something pisses you off just flying off the handle you know I can kind of just sit back and it does definitely give me that pause anyway and I would say that that's less meditating and just giving yourself 20 minutes a day you know what I mean it's yeah. just a calm 20 minutes a day um, but as they say in MMA there's levels to this shit mm. like I will easily lie in my hammock for four hours a day every day for a year 
and meditate and trip balls <laughs> and go in behind Dean and in behind the thing that's thinking about Dean and in behind the thing that just thought about the thing that is <laughs> Dean and listen to the universe clap. You know what I mean? There's levels to it. So just, if you're open to it, just like everything else, and just by being open to it, you will progress and move forward into it. You don't have to push it. You don't have to force it. Some people, a minute's meditation or, or time to themselves a year might be enough. For mm. for other people, they can sit. Like I, I kind of constantly sit in a in a meditative state because the way I see this um, solid reality, um, I have the perspective of also seeing us all connected as the same spiritual energy. So I see us all as the same person anyway. Do you understand that? Mm. And then beyond that, there's no all of us, just just I, just, just one of us, just, just the sun or the God or whatever it is. Mm. So that's a little bit um, esoteric. Um, but that's, a, that's just a perspective that you can have, that you can share, that you can talk about. Yeah. And we don't do an awful lot of that in this country. Back to the Catholic thing, we were told there's Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit and we all have to go into this house and, you know, talk to them or listen to them and get the body of Christ and da 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 and if you didn't you should have shame and guilt that's one way it's one method mm. uh, there's so many others I, I think we're kind of in general in this country and I think part of it's religion and part of it is human nature but I think we're kind of, you, you mentioned about how there's different ways of getting to that state you know and I think we're all kind of bred to have this dogmatic thinking about anything about Man United you know about whatever it is like where you're from it's better than other places or worse than other places you know anything at all what band you like because it serves a purpose yeah it, it gives you an identity yeah but so and the identity serves a purpose as well so just saying it gives an identity that's great but why why do we play that game because it gives us something to sit with and go this is who I am and there's no way that I'm not this because if I'm not this well then what am I mm. and it's the well what am I question that that's you, terrifying that's terrifying that yeah. we don't talk about well what you are po potentially is the most significant thing in the universe ever or the total opposite of that immediately forever mm. you are nothing mm. And we don't want to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, so at the age of 10, I sat on the sofa and I had the feeling that I was what I call I and I, yeah, which is like a Rasta kind of vibe, which is I am everything and everything is me and the universe is me and I'm blah, blah, blah. And I felt and I seen a vision of me projected eternally forward and eternally backwards in like a Buddha pose. Yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> I'll have that and I'll play around with that for the rest of my life <laughs> yeah. it was beautiful yeah. and um, that's how I can get away with doing stuff that's how I can resolve doing stuff like Apollo House in my head because it's all just a game anyway it's all just lovely balanced universe anyway there's nothing wrong and everything is perfect but let's get into the marketplace and see what love we can emit mm. what effect what change we can affect in the universe and you did know? you find um because i wanted to ask you about apollo house as well like you know there's that and and i i've been through different phases in my life where like you know i felt that but it was in a more immature way than what you just described i felt it in the way that i live in my own head 
and you know i don't really have to think about what you know other people not even what other people think of me but what i should be doing you know so i was coming at it from a different angle i was like you know i was i was more like you know i'll just do my own thing and kind of just be inside my imagination and i don't have to kind of do other shit that society kind of expects Great, that's me called to do. fantasy yeah yeah so we we revert to fantasy when we think reality is too real mm. yeah so we're on a journey the hero's journey yeah uh, so you're born you're dependent on your parents the only thing you can do is lie back shy and cry <laughs> and then you develop language and you, then you can you know you can talk to your mammy or your daddy if they're not there if they're not giving you full support your needs aren't being met you go on you start going on this trauma journey yeah which everybody's talking about now um and then you get to like seven or eight and your goldfish dies and you realize things die if the goldfish dies my parents are going to die and then i'm going to die so we start on that existential journey and then we're propelled into our pubic bleeding uh, roller coaster years mm. and we we pop out about 21 or 22 and all of a sudden we're in college and we're in this other world you know what I mean yeah. and um, that can be uh, and all the time we're heading towards uh, independence yeah so we're dependent on the parents then we're heading towards independence uh, and it's just uh, I don't have somebody to wipe me arse anymore I have to start to wipe my own arse mm. that can be terrifying to wipe your own arse so we can revert into the meta world or the fantasy world which is one of the reasons why Facebook is now meta because they because they know that there's a market for fantasy mm. there's a reason why Disney exists because there's a market for fantasy because fantasy is the um, the antidote to reality mm. it's why we do drugs it's why we make art yeah it's all like you said it's just coming from different angles with it isn't absolutely it? Yeah. yeah 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 and and um yeah and and you mentioned there you know about you know about being 10 years old and you you were like you were saying from Ballymun mm -hmm. all your life wasn't it yeah what was it like growing up there um amazing it was all it's all we knew kind of that kind of cliche um so I had the privilege of growing up in Ballymun in the late 70s. I was born in 73, so late 70s, early 80s. It was kind of like very freeing. Uh, people arriving at your door with stuff was just the default. You know, tell your mother I have a bit of stuff there. Mm. You know what I mean? And people are bringing stuff. And then we re later realized it was all robbed stuff. And we were actually out robbing stuff. Like we go to the local factories and we'd rob all the stuff in it and we'd mm. distrib distribute it in into the community. Uh, and r later realized it was because of poverty and the reason we had poverty was because of a lack of skills and because of the class structure mm. uh, so at about the age of 10 my ma gave me a couple of books uh, about spirituality one was a book called Awareness Anthony DeMello Anthony DeMello yeah. book another book by Powell called Why Am I Afraid to Love and then Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am kind of books like that which is all a kind of like uh, esoteric Eastern European or Eastern philosophy, you know, about um, about awareness, about what, what did Buddha, that do? Buddhism. That well, that got me to a point where I sat on a sofa and disappeared into the universe and became <laughs> this Buddha. Yeah, basically, that's yeah. that's what that done. It freed it freed me up from the dogma of the Catholic religion, where this is the only religion that there, there aren't other ones. Because I learned about 
um, Hinduism and Buddhism and Rastafarianism. And I said, oh my God, either they didn't know that they were lying to me or they knew they were lying to me and telling me that this was the only one. I'm going to go with the fact that they knew they were lying to me. Mm. And that turned out to be the case. They knew that that, that there wasn't only one myth wasn't only one story or one fantasy that there was different ones yeah there was one called buddhism there was one called hinduism there was one called wah 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 doesn't bleed mm. i like wah 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 you know what i mean <laughs> there's a whole culture built up on wah 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 yeah yeah sounds like actually when we used to sniff gas when we were kids because your head would go like that wah 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 yeah we used to have the you know the towels with the white little mark on it from the links <laughs> oh so we done uh, like tipex tinners which was like a a tipex fluid you, you would put onto your sleeve or we done gas or yeah. we, we we tried to sniff anything that was what we would call flammable or yeah. emit, it emitted a fume that seems to be the first one people go for a lot of the time because it's in your kitchen yeah it's it's you know what I mean? you don't realize your ma is on pills from the doctor benzodiazepines mm-hmm. or valiums you don't realize that until you're a little bit older but you do the kitchen underneath the sink is at your level when you're like <laughs> so you open it up and you're smelling stuff you know yeah. what i mean yeah. Uh, and then you realize me man and dad drink and then you can get access to drink and then you go oh actually there's a medication cabinet and it's full of these things and you can reach it now yeah <laughs> and and then you can sell them you yeah. know what I mean so you're kind of going through that that uh, that journey mm. yeah and, and just to change up the subject a bit I wanted to ask you um, about uh, you were involved with Occupy Dime Street yeah. How long? About 10 years ago? So 2008 was the financial crash. Let's yeah. say, with, with air quotes, you know, was that a fluke or was that an accident or was that the sign? I don't know. But in about 2010, 2011, a group of us decided to occupy, inspired by the Occupy movement in mm. Wall Street, occupy the central bank in Dublin. Um, and we were there for about four months or something like that. And we built a little village. And because I realised that... Um, the, like Ireland absorbed something like 70% of the European banking crisis debt, right? Which when you work it out over 50 years is about 250 billion euro, which every person is going to be paying back to the taxes for the next 50 years. And it's only going to grow, you know? So we kind of realised that. And one of the reasons I realised that is because I've read all the books. Uh, so one of the reasons I read all the books was because I seen it all as a game and I might as well participate in the game as opposed to not so I read all the books all the mathematics books economics books philosophy books blah 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 so when you see something like this arriving it's not such a big shock because you've studied economics and you you see uh, all the different how how systems work I've studied kind of like uh, systems dynamics Mm. all that type of stuff and then there's like no intervention on the personal level but when it comes to the higher up bankers that's where you know there's intervention completely what do you mean by that so like when you know say say if you're outpriced now say you live look at so if you look at stony batter monastery mm-hmm. uh people who are living there for generations all of a sudden you know if they're renting they can't afford to live there anymore you know so they're not you know nobody's rushing in to save them you know, on a personal level, whereas the financial bailout, that's when there'll be intervention when, you know, whoever helped out there will intervene. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of see it like a casino. The house always wins. And the reason the house always wins is because they, it's their game. They design the rules. Mm-hmm. So by by definition, you're not going to win. They're always going to win. And that's the way 
the global banking system works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why, why do but you the collateral, think... the collateral on the ground creates ghettos. Yeah. And and why do you think the in general? Well, I mean, I suppose in Down Street, but in general, the Occupy movement. Why did where did it fall short? Like why didn't it? Uh, they, what were the goals really? Because yeah, it kind of depends on how you. Now, how how do you um, describe success and how do you describe false shorts? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what I I learned so much from it, so it didn't fall short for me. Mm. Um, you would be totally uh, fantasy and naive to think that you could um, get a banking system to stop doing what they do. Mm. Uh, so basically what it was was it, it was kind of an interesting way to kind of voice we kind of see the game happening and we're going to let everyone know we see the game happening and now that we've seen the game happening we can choose to participate in the game or we can choose to come up with our own game mm. yeah there was a load of ridiculous stuff like the first time for example when the yellow vest movement came about there's a load of random ridiculous kind of uh, you know requests uh, oh, we want we want this to happen and that to happen, uh, but the way I see it is you kind of have to just stretch it out over time a little bit and mm. just the the learning and the knowledge and the understanding that it's a game is a success mm. because if you can understand what's going on um, in the system as much as is possible to understand it, then you've got a higher possibility that you will have success in that system. So. Personally, I wanted to understand the system, the banking system, the the, the money games, the financial uh, instrument kind of games, which we're involved in in this country. Uh, like we have the IFSC, which is a financial games institution. We have... Um, Was it you telling me about the GDP there or something like 17 times the amount of like the actual Irish GDP? Like it's, it's, it's come out recently... So when you study all these systems, you have information before the majority of people have the information. But it's come out in the last week that we wash a lot of Russia's money through the IFSC. So in 2011, which is 10 years ago, we were saying we wash loads of money. Ireland's IFSC is the equivalent of the Cayman Islands for the city of London. Mm. Because the Cayman Islands, they kind of sussed out all, they close up a lot of the loopholes. So we're better or where next to go than, uh, you know, this little principality, the double Irish, all these types of financial games. What do you mean the double are, Irish? Well, we have a tax regime in, in Ireland called the double Irish, which provides um, sanctuary for global corporations to hide. So or the lower co- low co- corporation tax and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my mate told me that he works uh, in, say, Starbucks and he paid two and a half thousand uh, euro tax in let's say 2015 mm. and Starbucks paid two and a half thousand pounds cash or euros cash in 2015 yeah. he's just one individual so uh, we hired and washed an awful lot of money through the IFSC yeah. the IFSC was previously the cattle market where all the inner city lads from Sheriff Street and East Wall and Pierce Street all worked and then we came up with this concept of containerization of goods where machines would use do the jobs and now we have containerization of money we basically sold or there was a business deal that was done got the land which was state-owned land cie dublin bus or whatever land they got that and they turned it into the ifsc so it was like a cattle market and a bus station 
and now it's like a global washing machine and, and when you say <laughs> yeah. L- when, like literally yeah three trillion euro a year yeah washed yeah it's fascinating so when you say washed are you talking about like you I'm, know here, shell corporations here's what i'm saying here's what i'm saying washed. the american government went to the cartels in mexico just after the global banking crisis looking for trillions in liquid cash jesus that's common <laughs> knowledge yeah in my world that's common knowledge so are you saying that we don't play those games as well? Mm. Are you saying that, that we're so squeaky clean in in um, in corrupt little whorehouse in Ireland that we don't play those games? Cop on, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I find that fascinating. Once you know how the, how the house, the rules of the house game, where you can play it or you can play a different game. Mm. I like to play a different game. I remember you talking about that, actually. The IFSC with, I can't remember his name. He was a lecturer in UCD. Connor something Connor McCabe Connor McCabe he's he's amazing I really I really liked him and he was interesting he talked about it a lot and there's another and, book um, Connor done a book called Money and then there's another book um, The Lies of Our Fathers or uh, something yeah yeah it? yeah something like that The Sins of Our Fathers The Sins of Our Fathers I have it at home I actually have it I haven't even opened it which yet. is about all of that how, how that went from a cattle market and a bus station to basically the Cayman Islands of Europe mm, that's about the Irish beef industry isn't it as yeah, well yeah 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 who, who owns it who has who has shadow companies hidden with it in a, and all boilerplate companies like if you go into the IFSC and you go to an office there's nobody in the office mm. it's just a load of what we call boilerplates it's just like a contractual representation of a company. You might see someone wiping the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll see some kind of Eastern European person fucking pay, getting eight euro an hour. Yeah. Uh, but you have like these boilerplate companies and what happens is you get shadow companies and boilerplate companies hiding themselves within each other to cover up all of the games. Mm. Um, but there's like big, big players in it, Saudis, all these types of countries are tied up in it. Russia, as we found out during mm. the week, like, uh, like it's one of those fascinating. things when you get so deep into it you're nearly like fuck I wish I didn't know this and that's what happened to me when I went to <laughs> Apollo House because I realised that poverty and homelessness is an industry in this country like homelessness homelessness is an industry direct provision is an industry mm. um, just like in America the prison system is an industry we have commodified homelessness and I, the way I prove that is I was offered a businessman um, and we've talked about this so their, their names are out there in the public domain a businessman offered 15 offered to give us 15 million quid to buy Apollo House and it wasn't worth that much at the time and then about a year later it was sold for 50 million quid and they knocked it down Jesus Christ so it's just games within games and yeah. the only reason I'd done Apollo House was one to prove that it's a game also to prove that you know people don't have to die on the streets of homelessness and then to start a conversation that would um, end homelessness forever yeah as a concept wasn't there a thing a while ago actually uh, I can't remember who said it one of the one of the politicians anyway was saying homelessness will be eradicated by 2030 or yeah, like, like Simon. So the Simon community have said it. I think it's like their Aren't mantra they? this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it this and year, and yeah. Dara O'Brien, I think. Uh, yeah. Is it Dara O'Brien? Yeah, Dara O'Brien, who's like the minister for housing. Yeah. Well, it's not it. looking likely, is it? Uh, it doesn't have to look likely. You, you were sold that pill and you swallowed it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And these guys won't be around. Yeah. They'll be in the south of France sipping on bleeding 
tequila sunrises <laughs> or whatever it is yeah. by the time that that comes yeah. around sucker yeah I know it's mad they won't yeah they'll have their money made yeah they'll have their money made they'll have played their level of the game and then they'll move on and for everybody you're getting me excited talking about a game here I feel like I'm in Mario Kart well Pat. if it's not a game it's reality <laughs> if it's you know what I mean if it's not a game well then the only thing that is real is this solid stuff here mm. and what we realise is is that um, rational science tells us that uh, everything that we see and touch isn't actually all that it is mm. you know what I mean that beyond this vibrating the, the vibrating atoms in this table there's a deeper game there's a deeper resonance a deeper echo of something that came before okay so we can get caught up in the very kind of solid everyday poor me I'm going to die poverty is bad drugs are bad they hate me I hate them kind of games or we realize there's different levels of this you know Mm. and it's when you go on your journey and you you try and understand the levels the games that you just see that it just gets more interesting and beautiful as you go on and one of the things that happened to me was I just learned to relax in that and just accept it for what it is uh, acceptance is part of the key, of the key to as part of how you unlock uh, the mysteries as you go on you just kind of accept it mm. you know what I mean we all live we all die um, let's accept it and let's stop avoiding the the truth um so one of the truths i found is homelessness is an industry and it's once you realize it's really refreshing it's really interesting so and and by that do you mean that there's money to be made off of you know like the the different businesses that are set up around homelessness there's money to be made by making people homeless there's money to be made by driving rents through the sky. There's money mm. to be made by preventing you from buying a property. It has to be bought through this company. You can only buy a hundred. You can't. Um, what else? There's, there's loads of kind of levels to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because um, obviously, like you know, within if you like, there's money to be it... made by reducing supply in the system yeah. in the market. Yeah. And I suppose like within that, there would be like you know because my my interpretation of what you just said there was like that everyone who is involved in homeless charities and stuff is just in it for money which I wouldn't say is true well yeah it's it's like everything it's like the guards on the street doing the B didn't decide that they were going to do a TV show called Inside the K but somebody did Mm. in some boardroom so they can demonize lads in tracksuits. Lads in suits and boardrooms can demonize lads in tracksuits so we don't look at the lads in suits and boardrooms. Mm. Ta-da, there you go. If they're the villain over there, well, we're not looking at the guys who are playing the real game. So they should do Inside Cabin Teeley. Let's do Inside Cabin Teeley <laughs> and let's see how much crime has actually happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. How many billions of euros is being washed through guys in these communities rather than the couple of bleeding mill that's being washed in with drug, drug gangs money, yeah yeah you know what I mean I was actually in Cabin Daily the other day doing a video on you know Cornell's Court Shopping Centre yeah yeah it's yeah. like a stupidly big done stores there's no need for it to be that big like they need to take off a good like three quarters of it or something but I was thinking Cabin Daily sounds like it should be in Cabin 
Harvin Haley. Hey. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I suppose I could talk. I could talk to you here all day, Dan. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, and, and like I've like I'm nearly fifty years of age. I've done loads of stuff. I've done stand-up comedy for ten years. I ran a record label for ten years. I'm working in community and youth work for thirty years. Da 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 da. There's loads of stuff. But what I'm trying to do is just pull back a little bit and just go. It's interesting that there's different levels to this, that there's different games. And I kind of operate in different realities at once where I used to take it all real serious and go, that's not fair. And then you kind of have breakthroughs, kind of spiritual uh, breakthroughs, and you kind of go, oh, okay. Actually, the universe is really well balanced out and I shouldn't really get caught up or attached to too much of this drama. Uh, because the dra- the stress of the drama will bleed and kill you, mm. you know. And part of what we're realizing in this country is that we have this thing called a mental health crisis, or you know, everybody's anxious and so on. And we want somebody to fix it. And actually, the solution, more often than not, lies within us letting go some of the stuff, looking into our bag of shit that we've held on for the last twenty or thirty or forty years, and picking some of it up like shame or guilt or blame and just fucking it out the window I don't need it and I've learned to fuck a lot of that shit out the window mm. uh, because it doesn't serve me because I end up in a room with a rope around me neck you know yeah and, and unfortunately how many people go out like that yeah 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 needlessly you know? absolutely and I'm not saying that that obviously I'm not saying that that's going to work for everybody but um, there are different ways to the top of the mountain there are different ways to come home um, and on this podcast with you for the last whatever hour and a half I'm kind of just exploring with you how I come how I came to the position I'm in now mm. um, and maybe your viewers or listeners or whatever might get something from that I think main, mainly the reason that they listen to you is because you help them with whatever feelings and emotions and, and stresses that are in their lives because they can probably go on a walk or a jog or and just listen to your rambling, babbling brook of a voice. <laughs> uh, none of my uh, listeners are jogging. Hi. That's for sure. <laughs> my name's Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Dan, thanks again. Really appreciate you coming down. No problem. And uh, we're going to finish with a meditation, if that's okay. Oh, I love uh, it. So I'm going to read out a meditation I wrote on the way in. <laughs> so breathe in nice and slow. Sorry, it's my meditation. I'd like to ask you to sit back and pretend to be relaxed. Let's see your I'm feeling really relaxed face. I'd like to invite you to close your eyes. I'd like to invite you to take a deep breath. I'd like to invite you to my first Holy Communion, but it's too late. That was 20 years ago. And my next door neighbour got drunk, fell asleep and defecated all over the bouncy castle. I still remember the smell, the caked tiger face paint on my scowling brow, the drunken defeated face plant of my demolished neighbour as he wriggled like a flag at half mast in a slowly deflating inflatable dream world. We aren't even sure who invited my neighbour. We think he could just smell barbecue. My dad wanted to cook pork chops, but even at the age of seven I knew what I was about. If it's a communion it has to be cocktail sausages and cupcakes as well as half glares from second cousins that you pretend you've met before. 
the only time you'll ever hear from them again is in your Instagram DMs asking you if you'd like to invest in Forex with them. And back in the room. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I'm Frankie, and today you've tuned into Meditations for the Anxious Mind. Namaste.